You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. My name is Tommy. I'm the pastor here. If I have not met you, I would love the opportunity to do so. So we're starting a new series today, guys, and um, I'm excited about this. We're starting a series on the book of Ephesians. And, and so we're going to be reading Ephesians together, and this should feel a little weird to you because you are reading someone else's mail. When you read the book of Ephesians, you are literally reading letters that Paul wrote to different churches and different people. And so this is like reading someone else's mail. It's for us, but it was not written to us, but it has great value for the church today. And so I'm excited about this, and I've been excited about it. Um, Paul was an apostle. Uh, the word apostle actually just means one who was sent out. I think we s- say that word and assume everyone knows what, what it means, but it just means one who is sent out. So Paul is an apostle who was sent out. And like, if you've been here with us for the last, I don't know, year or something, I think reading um, Ephesians is easier than reading John because in John, there's a lot of like colorful language. It's, it's true and it's real, but the language is very poetic and very beautiful. And so some of it's not really all that clear. Paul is very direct. Like sometimes he, he's like, I say things and I'm worried about offending y'all. Paul, he don't care. He ain't messed up about it. He just says what he, what he thinks. And it's, it's very clear. And so even like compared to Genesis, I think reading Ephesians is, is much easier than reading Genesis because reading the Old Testament is very difficult unless you are a Jew born 5,000 years ago. And so Ephesians is a much more clear book. But in many ways, it's also much more difficult. Paul's letters are are clear and they make more sense. But Paul will cover, he's going to cover predestination. He's going to cover election. He's going to cover marriage. He's going to cover sexuality. He's going to cover your money. He's going to cover your job. He's going to cover your body. Like he's going to cover everything. So although it's easier to read, it's more difficult because at some point you will not like what Paul says about something. Like if you can read all of Paul's letters and come away going, "Mm, I've got all that down. You're in a scary place because Paul is going to say some things at some point that are going to be difficult. And so the challenge for us as we come to this book, because many, like, for those of you who weren't raised in church, some of you are going to hear about Ephesians for the first time. And let me tell you, that, that makes me so happy. I cannot wait to walk you through this for the first time. And some of you have heard Ephesians a thousand times. And so wherever you are, the goal is to sort of divorce yourself from what you know, to, to remember, to forget what you know so that we can come to this book with new eyes and fresh eyes so that, so that we can learn something new. Because every time we open this, I believe God can speak a new word, even about something you've read a thousand times. So we have to humble ourselves and come not as Americans with political agendas. We have to humble ourselves and come not as Americans with political agendas. I said that again for everyone, just to make sure we heard it. But as people who truly want to hear what Paul has to say. Because, I mean, I understand what, and it's, there's value in saying, what does this mean to me? But first we need to know, what did this mean to Paul? What did this mean to the people Paul was talking about? And then we can figure out how this thing works in our lives. So I'm excited. Ephesians 1. Let's, let's, if you have your Bible and you want to open up, I think a good place to start the book of Ephesians will be Ephesians 1. <laughs> Came up with that idea on my own. <laughs> Ephesians 1. Y'all ready? Uh, and, and if you don't have a Bible, bring it like to this series, because I'm going to say some things, and I think this is important to say. Everything I say about the Bible is not the infallible word of God. 
some of this stuff may be what I believe, but it doesn't mean I'm 100% right on everything. So as I'm reading, you should read and be like, you know, do I agree or disagree? And you're all welcome to be wrong. So Ephesians 1. <laughs> Ephesians 1. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ. So Paul is writing a letter to these people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ. And does anyone's Bible say the saints in Ephesus? Anyone have a translation that says the saints by any chance? Oh, cool. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Hey, babe. How are you? My wife, Christy. Give it up for Christy over there. Good job. Um, saints just means holy people. So it doesn't mean like sometimes we think saints, we might think spiritual or dead people or something. Saints means holy people. So he's writing to these holy people in Ephesus. And one of the things that I always thought about Paul that I've learned as I've studied and prepared for this was I thought that his name was Paul or his name was Saul. And then he met Jesus and Jesus changed his name to Paul. Have you all heard that? And so what I've learned was Paul is a Roman name. It is a Greek name, and so when he's talking to Roman people or Greek people or non-Jew people, he's going to use the name Paul. When he's talking to Jewish people, he's going to use the name Saul. Saul is a Jewish name. And so it's, I mean, he has two different names that are both acceptable, but even you'll see in Acts, even after his conversion, that he still occasionally goes by the name Saul because that's a Jewish name amongst Jewish people. But Paul had this desire to be able to connect with people who weren't like him, which I think we could spend a lot of time on. Paul was willing to connect with people who weren't in his ethnic group, which I think we could spend a whole lot more time on. And so, listen, this, is, this, is, this describes Paul. This is Corinthians 9, 19. It says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So to win those under the law. To those not having the law, which would be Gentiles or us, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ. So as to one, win those not having the law. To the weak, I became win to weak the weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Okay, so what I see in the church sometimes is we think we should use the same message everywhere we go and people should just adapt to it. And typically that message is, or sometimes it's judgmental and angry and I'm just, I'm just going to tell the truth wherever I go and boy, they just better adapt to it. Well, what Paul tends to believe is that I should never change the truth of my message, but perhaps the way I deliver it should change based on the audience I'm talking to. I think we can learn a lot from that, guys. Like, I promise you back there, and when Clarissa or Brantley, when they're talking to little kids, they're not talking to them just like I'm talking to you. You change the message. There, there's an old saying that says, um, if all you have is a hammer, then you begin to believe everything is a nail. Y'all ever heard that? I mean, this works here. Like, you identify your audience and who they are, and then you build common ground with them. So the reason he goes by Paul occasionally is because this letter, Ephesians, is to a Greek-Roman audience. So he's going by a Greek-Roman name so that he might win some. All right, back to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. Okay, um, audience participation time. When you're reading a letter from someone or when you're going to take a trip with someone or when you're going to uh, do a study about someone, what is one of the first things you should ask? Just throw it out, anyone. Why? Why? It's the, it's the question every little kid asks, and it annoys us to, right? Do this. Why? 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 But I, I think we should know what Paul's agenda is. 
Why did he write this letter? And I think in, when we did the study of John, and I was like, I was so disappointed. If you're watching again from 8.30 for some reason, I was so disappointed in you. I hope you know that. I hope you can sense it. Can anyone tell me John's agenda from the book of John? I said it every week <laughs> for nine weeks. Can anyone tell me John's agenda? <laughs> Anyone? Thank you. What is it? Thank. Give it up for Matt Ritchie. Yes. Thank you, Matt. That was John's agenda. That, that we might know the Messiah, and through knowing the Messiah, we might have life. And we're going to see that Paul has an agenda. Most of Paul's letters he writes, he's addressing some crisis in a church, right? He's addressing like uh, someone preaching who shouldn't be preaching or, or something they've messed up the doctrine. Or He's writing churches to address a problem in one of his churches. In Ephesians, there doesn't appear to be any crisis. So why did he write this letter and why are we reading it and why does it matter? Because I, I think we need to understand what his agenda is. And so a couple things I want to point out before we find out what his agenda is. Number one, we're going to find out that Paul is writing this letter from prison. Paul writes a lot of letters from prison. Uh, we're going to find out this guy has kind of a checkered past, and it's actually pretty cool. But, I mean, when Paul went to jail, he wrote letters to churches. I made collect calls to my brother Bruce. Everyone does their own thing. While <laughs> I was in there for like 12 hours, and I called Bruce 117 times. Get me. Um, so but Paul had a different agenda. All right, so the second thing I want you to notice is Paul's going to use the word you a lot. He's going to say you, 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 you. When Paul says you, and this is going to be so easy for us, you need to think y'all. All right, this should be the easiest thing, easiest Bible interpretation we've ever done. When he says you, we think y'all. Because he's not writing this to a person. He's writing this to a group of people. But in the translation, we kinda, it kind of gets lost, and so it just appears as you. But the word is Y'all, or you all, or however. All right, so you got that? So now let's find out what his agenda is. In, in chapter 3, we're going to go to chapter 3, verse 1, and let's find out why Paul wrote this book. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, so Gentiles are non-Jewish people, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Okay, when he says I've already written briefly, he's not talking about his other books. He's talking about the first two chapters of this book. Uh, but he didn't call them chapters. Was, he's, as I've already told you, there is some revelation that has been made known to me. So, so let's keep going. Verse 4. In reading this, what I just wrote, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the scripture to God's holy apostles and prophets. Okay, so the reason he's writing this is because some mystery has been made known to Paul. And he uses the word revelation. Let's, let's do the audience participation again. When I say revelation and it comes to the Bible, what do you think about? What? Yeah, the book, exactly. And what's the book revelation about? What do we, what do we normally think? In times. 
Right? So when I say revelation in the Bible, or when we hear revelation through our perspective as people, we typically think about the end times. You think about when Paul says revelation, he's not talking about the end times. He's talking about something that has been revealed to him, something that was not known, and now it has been made known. So there was some mystery that was made known through Christ to Paul, and now Paul is the carrier of this mystery, this revelation, which will be revealed. Um, so what is it? If this mystery that Paul is carrying is his agenda, what's the mystery? Let's go to verse 6. I love Paul says it really clearly. This mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Okay, so there's this, leave that one up there for me. There's a mystery that has been made known. And Paul thinks this mystery is of great importance. And the mystery is that Gentiles, raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Some of you are confused. You're all Gentiles, all right? All of us, unless you're a first century Jew, you're, you're a Gentile. And so we are all Gentiles. This mystery is that what once was for a, a people, a chosen people, the nation of Israel, what once was for a nation has now become something for everyone. The mystery that has been revealed is you and I are now also part of God's family. We are now heirs to the promise of Jesus Christ, just like the Jews. The Bible, the first bunch of it, guys, is a story of God and a nation and God and a people. And now there's something changing. It's the story of God and the world. The mystery is that people like me and you have now been invited into this chosen nation. We are now part of this sacred people. That was a big, big deal for Paul. This idea of two ethnic groups coming together as one was a big deal. I know that might sound like, isn't that something that's still kind of amazing if it can happen? You know what the most segregated place in any society is? Church. But Paul is saying, no, two ethnic groups coming together as one. And so he's talking about this supernatural unity over and over. We see the Bible being about unity, and Ephesians is too about these two groups that could not stand each other, and now they're together as one chosen nation. And over and over, Paul is going to talk about the power of multiple people or two becoming one. When Paul talks about marriage, remember his agenda. He's talking about two becoming one in some mysterious union. When Paul talks about the church, he's talking about many parts becoming one body through some mysterious union. Whenever Paul talks, he is often talking about the many coming together as one as has been revealed to him through this great mystery. That's pretty cool. Uh, Paul didn't always feel that way. Um, for some people, the revelation comes a little slower. My brother Jeff, I know y'all heard me talk about him. He literally came out of the womb perfect. Like, didn't even have an umbilical cord. Just, just had a thermometer that said perfect or whatever, you know. Just whatever. He's just, yeah. But like others of us, it takes a while. And Paul hadn't always been this massive follower of Christ. And you need to get this. We need to understand this because too many of us believe our past disqualifies us from God's future. But, but listen to Paul's story in Galatians 1.13. For you've heard of my previous way of life. Gosh, how many of you ever walked into a church and kind of felt that, that should be the first thing you say? You've heard <laughs> of my previous way of life in Judaism how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Among my people, I was extremely zealous in my traditions. All right, so what Paul's saying is there was a time 
when I was a persecutor of the church. As a matter of fact, he's going to tell a story in Acts. And this is so cool, guys. Acts was written by a man named Luke, okay? Luke, if you're looking at an authority tree, Luke would have been under Paul. So everything you read in the book of Acts that Luke writes is something that Paul allowed him to write. It was written by Luke, but Paul would have been the authority. So the things Luke says, Paul allowed to be in the book of Acts. And listen to Acts chapter 7, Acts seven fifty nine. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. And Stephen was the first, like, he was the first Christian to ever die for his faith. And they're stoning him. The people who are beating him to death with rocks. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold their sins against him. And when he said this, he fell asleep, died. Chapter 8 of Acts begins like this. And Saul approved of their killing him. He allowed that to be in there. And then it goes on and says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is what Paul did. He was a destroyer of the church. He persecuted Christians. He killed them. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And prison then was not like prison now. Uh, Prison now, you probably have a toilet and you probably have some walls. Back then, oftentimes, it was a hole in the ground where they would hold people. And so Paul would drag women off and put them in a hole in the ground. Why do you think this is in the Bible? If you had had someone write a a book under your authority, wouldn't you may have considered, hey, I have an idea, Luke. Let's skip that part. Let's skip the part where I killed everybody and drug women off and stuck them in a hole. Why does Paul allow that to be in here? Because he remembers where he came from. And so what does he want from you? He wants you to understand that no matter what you have done in the past, God can still use you to reveal great mystery to the world. Isn't that cool? I I know some of you have got a past. Some of you got a past. I get it. I get it. Me too. (laughs) Me too. I know. I know. And we could outpass each other's past all day in here, and it would be a very vivid battle, I'm sure. I can't imagine. But have you ever walked around killing Christians? If you did, I feel like it's fair that you should let us know that that's something that you're into. (laughs) Please go to the Connect desk. Fill out a card, drop it off in the box. Have, is, was your job ever to drag women around and drop them into dark holes? Again, connect desk. Let us know that. You will not be volunteering in the nursery. I mean, this one, you, you might have done some bad stuff, but you didn't kill Christians. And Paul is saying it doesn't matter what you have done, that your past does not have to determine your future, that if God chooses to use you, then God will choose to use you And your past will not even be a barrier. It will be something that God will use for his glory. And so many of us sit around going, oh, not me. I can't do it because I'm so Eeyore. God's God's like, no, 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 no. Remember Paul? Remember Paul? Remember how he killed Christians and drug them into a hole? I think I can use you. If God chooses to reveal himself to you, then God can use you. And I love it. Something Somewhere along the line, something happened to Paul. He, he, was, he was changed. He went from being this violent killer of Christians. And then in Acts, they tell the story of Paul's, uh, where he meets Jesus. And it's told like four or five different places. But in Acts 26, Paul is standing before King Agrippa. And Paul tells the story himself. And so I want you all to hear it from this version. 
Acts 26, um, 12, I think. One of these journeys, this is Paul talking, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, because he's talking to him, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. No one knows what that means. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared, revealed myself to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see. I will rescue you from your own people, the Jews, and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, to reveal to them, and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Gosh, I love that. This guy was going to Damascus for the purpose of killing more Christians. And on the road, Jesus shows up and reveals himself to Paul. Do, do any of y'all remember, and I, I do, so I'm wondering, do any of y'all remember the moment Christ truly revealed himself to you? Like, like maybe you remember you were full of a past, you had all this baggage, you had all these things going on. Maybe you were in a jail cell, or maybe you were in a, a marriage that had just ended, or maybe you were wrecked with addiction, or maybe, maybe something was going on, but somewhere you were on a path, and you were headed somewhere, and all of a sudden, Christ revealed himself to you. Do you remember that moment? I hope so. I hope you don't forget it. Because I think one of the things that, that we need to see through this book of Ephesians is that God can use incredibly broken people to do incredibly amazing things. But it's important that broken people don't forget that they were broken. As, as Christians tend to move forward, like Paul could have... Paul could have never told us any of these stories. He could have told Luke, you're under my authority, don't write that. But later on, we'll see Paul say things like, I'm the chief among sinners, because he remembers who he was. Do you understand how winsome and attractive it is? Not when a Christian is bound by his old life, but when they don't forget their old life. So that when you're talking to people, you don't talk to them as if you're talking down to them as someone who is holier. You're talking with someone who's been there and done that and someone who understands what freedom feels like. So you can be used regardless of who you are. But don't forget who you are. And remember that the only reason you're being used is because Christ revealed himself to you, not because you're any more. I mean, I even know some people who think I'm being used because my story is so bad. Like at Thanksgiving, my whole family makes fun of me. They're like, Tommy spent 30 years building his testimony just so he could be a preacher. No, I didn't. Well, I did, but not on purpose. <laughs> like, I, I think there was an easier route to get here. <laughs> but like, God just decides to use who God decides to use. And if God has decided to use you and you're here because God called you, which tells me God has decided to use you, your past isn't going to stop him. But don't forget your past. I've talked about this. I'm going to say it one more time just because I think it's so important. The ex-smoker mentality. I know you've heard me say this so many times. I know so many people who they quit smoking and all of a sudden everyone who smokes stinks. I'm like, you just stopped like an hour ago. And you're not, you didn't really quit. You just quit buying. Now you're just bumming off everybody. This is the ex-smoker mentality that so many Christians take on. I'm no longer going to that thing. So now everyone who goes to that thing is gross to me. Well, you were at that thing Friday night. Right? Remember, 
where you've been. Remember who you are so that when you approach people who are where you were, they believe you've actually been there. It makes a difference. So this mystery has been made known to Paul, and we're going to travel through this for the next, I don't know, eight or nine weeks. Maybe. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I mean, so, so here, here's, and as, as you begin this book, guys, in the first two paragraphs, what you're going to see is a lot of big churchy words, okay? Don't freak out. Uh, we're going to travel through this thing together, and we're going to try our best to figure out some of these things. But as you read chapter one this week, which I'm hoping you all will, because I'm hoping we'll all commit to this. Like, I, I believe that some special unity can happen when a group of people who all have a past come together for the purpose of something greater than their past. Uh, I believe when, when we commit to those things, something special can happen. So read Ephesians chapter one, but don't get freaked out because we're, we're going we're to make our way through it. My hope is that just as some special mystery was revealed to Paul, that special mystery will be revealed to us. That through these writings today, we might still learn to love Jesus in a brand new way. See, Paul understood through, through his revelation that, that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that there could be life beyond this world. And then God revealed to him that we could all be part of this incredible mystery. And then God used Paul to reveal that to the world, and now God is revealing things to the world through us. So as you read this, read it humbly. As people who, who understand that even their dirty past can be used for God's glory. But read it as people who never forget where they've been. And believe that no matter what, God can reveal mystery to you and through you. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.